Hi, I'm Gary, and this is episode 133 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking at a solar-powered electric car from Sono Motors. This season of the podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. Before we start, I wanted to remind you that I've written a second ebook called So, You've Gone Renewable, which covers the topic of buying and installing one or more of a solar array, batteries, and an air source heat pump. It's available for 99p on Amazon, and a link is in the show notes. Our main topic of discussion today is Sono. Sono is a company which, amongst other things, is creating an electric car with a difference. The bodywork is covered with solar cells which feed directly into the battery and leverage the power of the sun to provide automatic, free charging while your car is standing still. I'd like to welcome to the show the Chief Operating Officer of Sono Cars, Thomas Hausch. Thomas joined Sono in 2018, bringing over 25 years of experience in the automotive industry with him, with companies such as Daimler, Chrysler, Coda, and Nissan. He's worked in various areas, such as development, manufacturing, sales, and marketing. And in his last position, he served as Chief Executive Officer, Central Europe for Nissan. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you, Gary. Pleasure being with you and your listeners. I, I tend to do this same conversation with most guests that come on. What's your electric vehicle story? I mean, you worked at Nissan previously, so you were aware of electric vehicles. Yes. Does it precede that or was it as yes. a result of that? No, it precedes that. Uh, if you so want, uh, I was a uh, happy automotive executive uh, being in the industry since the very early 90s, actually worked on the assembly line already in the 80s. And uh, at around 2011, I, I asked myself if I want to let my kids know that I had a wonderful life, drove a lot of fast cars, and uh, there's some money I leave behind, or uh, if I try to fight for a better future. And then 2011, I decided to uh, break with the classic uh, automotive companies and go to a pure battery electric vehicle company in California. Mm -hmm. Two years later, I went to Nissan, uh, which was until recently, at least at that time, the world's largest EV uh, producer. Um, and uh, since then, since I moved to California, I've driven, I think, roughly 180, 200,000 kilometers electric privately. So I, I changed my car park as well. And uh, I think I'm one of the, the early automotive executives with electric vehicles. And then the, the third electric step is getting to know our founders, Laurine and Jona, um, uh, in 2017 that drove me towards uh, starting at Sono Motors a year later. So can I ask what vehicle you're currently driving? Yes, um, I have a Nissan Leaf uh, that my wife, my son, and I drive um, usually. And when I commute between Stuttgart and Munich, I have a Tesla Model S. Oh, very nice. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the company itself. Um, well, let's talk specifically about the, uh, the Scion product. Can you remind the listeners what the current specs are on that vehicle? Battery size, range, power, etc.? Absolutely. We're building with uh, Scion the first affordable solar electric vehicle. What does solar electric vehicle mean? On the one side, it's a naked electric vehicle. If you don't consider solar charging, it's a family van, a family hatch with a range of roughly 190 miles. Mm -hmm. um, it has a lot of other interesting features like integrated car sharing. It's a little bit like an Airbnb on wheels. It has the capability of 
bidirectional charging so we can be vehicle to grid uh, vehicle to x integrated we can charge other electric vehicles but i think the most interesting part in our also technological capability as a company is to have solar panels integrated in the car not only on the roof or on the hood but all around the car in the quarter panels in the doors um, and so what we achieve actually is with an average german weather of one week another 45 miles range and with a good week no clouds actually another 150 miles range oh let me correct it's 70 miles uh, weekly average and 150 miles if the weather is uh, really nice. So we're gaining 260 miles range with average uh, German weather and actually 340 miles range uh, in a nice uh, sunny week uh, in, in Germany, which would mean that if you're in Phoenix, Arizona, you could even get a bigger range. So that, that's one of the, the major uh, key differentiators to any other player in the market. There's a couple of questions that come out of that. You talked about vehicle to load or V2L. Mm-hmm. What what was the thinking behind that specific decision? Um, our mission uh, is actually to put solar on every vehicle. And it's driven by our vision to have a world without fossil fuels. So our mm-hmm. founders originally thought about why do we not have more electric vehicles? And uh, being around for a long time, like you and a lot of your listeners, we know that uh, price, uh, range, and infrastructure are the main points that even today are still holding back some of traditional internal combustion engine customers. And uh, the idea was, how do I make an affordable car that I don't have to worry to plug in? Um, uh, Much more than, let's say, the rural U.S., in the average European city, you have no housing that you own yourself. You have not an own garage or parking structure where you can plug in. So the dependency on the grid is even higher. So the idea was to recharge the car with the peace of mind that you do not have at night or for the day to find a charging location that's unoccupied. Um, and then when you think about a vehicle that gets um, for Europe actually half of its needed power in average from the sun already today, we're gaining about uh, three, three and a half thousand miles a year um, by the sun alone. If you leave the car outside with an average weather year, you then have to think about, yeah, but what happens when the car is full? Um, it, it's wasted, basically. And with bidirectional, you can use your power and uh, power a house, charge another vehicle. And, and that was the basic idea that you can use an electric vehicle not only as a power storage for a vehicle to grid or uh, for transporting power because you plug it in, but you can actually use the vehicle as a generating product for electricity. So is is the intention that you would keep the car out in the sun, the solar panels would gather the power, and then that would go directly through the battery and into whatever is connected on the vehicle to load? Or is it that you would store the, the energy in the battery and then when you plug something in the uh, the vehicle's load it would then take it straight from the battery and you could then use the solar to recharge at a later point yeah technically it's definitely like you described it in the second alternative uh, we found a way of without waking up the complete car electronics to charge the vehicle all the time when it's outside driving or standing uh, during daylight, of course. Uh, and that power can be taken out of the battery then uh, anytime as well. So what you described in the in the first situation can happen. 
but uh, the, the main technical idea is to um, always charge the battery. Uh, and from then, that battery, you can then draw power. So let's go back and have a quick look at the actual form factor of the, the vehicle itself. It's I'm trying to describe it for the, the listeners who may not have seen it. It's not an SUV. I don't think it's as big no. as an SUV. It wouldn't really fall under the category of, of a saloon car. How, how would you describe it in terms of the form factor? Yeah, I think for the American consumer to say it's a family hatch, a family van uh, in the compact car segment size. So think about a... Um, Nissan Leaf or a Volkswagen Golf that has a larger interior, a little bit of higher roof, um, significantly more room in the rear with a relatively sharp cookie cut back. So it's, it's uh, uh, maybe like a minivan that is reduced into size and wheelbase. Right. E excellent. Because that then brings me to my next question, which is if one of the unique selling points on the vehicle is the fact that you've got a large number of solar cells on there. Would it not have made sense to make the vehicle much bigger to give you more surface <laughs> area, to give you more solar? Yes. So um, I have to tell you, we have a second area of business at Sono Motors because nobody else um, out there was capable of integrating solar panels in the sides of vehicles. So we actually are equipping buses, trucks, trailers with solar panels and can utilize these bigger surface areas as well. So uh, we, we already actually are doing this B2B business today. There's a bus driving in Munich and various other products already with our technology on them. So yes, makes perfect sense. Um, for our vehicle, the choice is our first affordable solar electric vehicle was, of course, we're looking for the vehicle that's not a premium or luxury car, not a sports car, but a vehicle for the masses, for the average person that is a commuter. And let me tell you this example because I think it's so easily to understand. I mentioned earlier, we produce about half the range that you need as an average European driver a year with solar. We actually produce the complete range you need if you're the average German metropolitan commuter. Uh, that person drives 10 to 11 miles a day and then on the weekends. And if you take average German weather, we actually create exactly that range per day. So you can imagine a time that between March and September in a year, you're commuting with your Zion. Uh, uh, you're on the weekends visiting family or do a bigger shopping trip or something. You actually never have to plug in at all. Um, and for this group of people, the ideal one is one that has a good interior space, five people and a lot of storage area, but at the same time, don't make it too big so it's still affordable uh, for that segment. It can still be a commuter car during the week and a family vehicle on the weekends. That makes perfect sense. I like that uh, that logic. The The vehicle itself, it's on a, is it a custom design skateboard that you're using with the, the battery integrated, et cetera? Is, or have you sort of brought that technology in from, from another manufacturer? It's the first. We have an aluminum space frame that we designed that actually is also the donor for potential future vehicles. But right now, of course, we're focused on our first vehicle um, uh, uh, for Europe right now, uh, left-hand drive only. Um, and this aluminum space frame, you have to imagine, has a outer skin that is not consisting out of sheet metal, aluminum or steel, but is consisting out of 13 modules that have under polymer 
solar panels integrated, and the remaining modules are just polymer, molding color, like you have today on many vehicles. Like today you have bumpers or, or, or um, fenders out of polymer already. So uh, the vehicle outside is uh, very light um, and doesn't have to be painted, actually. Ah, interesting. So does that mean it comes just in one standard color? Yes, sir. You can have any color as you want, as long as it's black. As long as it's black. Yes, the old uh, Henry Ford Model T. Yes. I like it. The the solar cells that, that you're using, is there anything special about those? Have those been custom made for you or are they sort of off the shelf, more to say? We picked a special version of the shelf that we utilize for our patented technology to integrate it into polymer. That's our specialty. But the one we picked is uh, efficient uh, solar cell type with, I think, 22 to 24% uh, efficiency um, and is back contacted. So from an optical point of uh, view, you don't have these typical metal uh, rods or little lines in front of the solar cells. So it is also pleasing to look at. Uh, in some light conditions, you might not even see the solar cells integrated into the car. That's certainly what um, the impression I get when I look at some of the photos. It's very difficult to actually tell where the cells are. So yeah, I, I, I can understand about that. How, how sturdy are the actual solar cells? Because it seems to me that you know, somebody brushing up against them with a bag or something, would, would that put a scratch in them? Would that deteriorate the uh, the efficiency of them? No. So uh, we're talking accidents that, that would impact uh, the cells. Uh, since it's a polymer part and has like a polymer backing and, and a very hard cover uh, over it as well, um, they're quite protected. Um, you do get, if you go through with any car through uh, washing cycles or so micro scratches. Mm -hmm. But even these micro scratches are good for extra reflection of the sun. Uh, we actually chose a matte color of the finish and not a shining color of the finish for efficiency reasons. And I think it looks pretty nice for, for the American listener. It, it has some stealth, stealth fighter feeling, I think. Not that I say our shape is like that, but our surface feeling is like that. Uh, now, I've recently installed uh, solar panels on the roof of my uh, house, and one of the things that we had to do when uh, when putting it in was look at potential areas where shade would come over and cover yes. part of the solar panels. So the, the panels that are on my roof have been optimized so that if shade is over part of one of them, it doesn't bring down the power rating on the ones that aren't in shade. Yes. How how is that being dealt with within the, the Scion? Yeah, I mentioned already the 13 modules, but we have seven to nine uh, separate uh, uh, groups of solar cells that exactly operate in, in that way. For this one, we need a maximum PowerPoint tracker control unit that we designed. Uh, it was not available on the market because what you usually have as MPPTs has switching times of minutes. Our vehicle switches the... Uh, requirements and the capabilities to charge the battery uh, in uh, parts of seconds. Uh, so this is also part of our uh, overall uh, capability and part of our offer to other car, planes, trains, boats, trucks, manufacturer, everything that uh, basically moves to integrate solar. Uh, it's not only the solar panels, but as you point out, you have to design the location of the panels as well as how the power is transferred in what time and what matter to the receptive battery technology or what, what else you have to make it work. So yes, we had to take that into account. And it's more complicated than on a house because there um, you get over clouds, shade changes and so forth, but you don't have these 
absolute quick changes. Um, just imagine you drive uh, 100 miles an hour or let's say 90 miles an hour past houses and there's an opening and there's a closing, there's an opening, there's a closing. You want to take as much as possible sun with you. I mean, I, I guess that kind of brings me on to my next question, which is what have the technical challenges been with this? I mean, what what research led you to believe that this was something that people wanted in the first place? And then how do you go about addressing some of the challenges? Because you can't be the first people who've decided, oh, we'll slap some solar panels on the side of a car. So what made you think that you could do it better than somebody else who tried that? You will be surprised, but to my knowledge, we are the first people that decided to slap solar panels on the side of a car and make this car an affordable volume-produced vehicle. Um uh, and not do it under glass. Under glass, you have, I think, and that's good, already some manufacturers that have it on the roof and some even on the hood. But generally, these uh, um, offers are very expensive. So uh, the first reason why we know this is working is we have now over 18,000 reservation holders. Um, and these reservation holders are not uh, subscriber to our newsletters. I hope they are. But they actually have given us... Um, uh, more than 2,000 euros uh, of down payments uh, per customer. Uh, and for a car that costs roughly $25,500 at the current exchange rate, um, that's nearly 10% as a down payment, quite a significant amount. Um, and we know it works. Our life cycle plan for Europe uh, for the vehicle is 257,000 units over seven years. Um, max capacity, 43,000 a year. Um, and uh, that means today we already have well over 5% of our life cycle volume sold. So we know there's a demand, but of course there's much more. Um, since uh, five years, we have built up a community of people that is really interested in having a vehicle that gets them from A to B, but they can also share if they don't use it that they know they do something good for the environment if they switch from an internal combustion engine car and have a high capability of using it every day without having the fear of being stranded somewhere. Mm -hmm. So our market research is confirming that our first 18,000 reservation holders are really representative for a significant amount of people. Not for all of them, um, because having only black colors and actually having only one variant um, is for some maybe not what they want. So I call our vehicle uh, the Swiss pocket knife versus the Gucci handbag. You can still individualize, but uh, there are so many people that just don't want to decide with a list of two or three pages with uh, special options. They are just happy with the way we designed the car for them. And of the uh, reservation holders that you've got, where are they focused in terms of geographically? It's a nice linear um, relationship. Wherever we do test drives, uh, we're getting a significant amount of reservation holders. Uh, the test drives that we did with our prototypes, we've done now, I think, well over 15,000 test drives. We always get as a reaction uh, reservations. We've done most of our test drives in Germany. Therefore, about 80% of our reservation holders are from Germany. Um, Austria, Switzerland, we did some. There's another 10%. And then the remaining 10% come from all over Europe, but with a heavy part of France, Holland, Sweden, Italy, where we also did test drives. So it's, it's a linear relationship. Our future distribution will look a little bit different for Europe because we will also invest into test drives just all across Europe. Are you looking, I would assume the answer is yes, but I'll ask you anyway, are you looking <laughs> to expand out to the United States? We have a uh, 
clear focus right now on launching our Scion in Europe and don't want to give the impression that we get distracted. But I can confirm to you that we have an eye out for the US. Uh, if you look at the US and China, and if you combine that with Europe, these three markets together represent more than 65%, nearly more than two thirds of the world's electric vehicle market. So it's a natural thing to look that up. And it's a natural thing to consider that. But today, I don't want to tell you when and how we're coming. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. Uh, the sort of related question to that is, as I'm UK-based, what's the forecast for a right-hand drive model? <laughs> Before I answer that, I, ha I have to tell you that the US and the UK today is actually already part of our uh, B2B market. So if you're building vehicles, if you're building trailers, if you're building buses in the US or the UK, we are already today ready to equip you with our patented technology to uh, put solar in an electric vehicle or put solar in a, a diesel uh, generator powered reefer, you know, a, a refrigerated truck or, or mm -hmm. um, uh, trailer alone that can save a lot of CO2s by doing that. So here we're not held back by geography. Um, so that's the good news first. Secondly, however, I have to tell you that uh, the right and drive market today is not in our plans because we have said for Europe, we're only doing one variant. And since the Irish, the British people in Cyprus and um, uh, uh, what, do, what else do we have? Um, uh, our Malta <laughs> are, are uh, in the need of the steering wheel. On the other side, we have not considered that today. That doesn't mean it might not come in the future, but for now, it's. We, I don't want to keep the hopes up. Well, that's fine. Are you looking to maybe sell the left-hand drive model in the UK as a left-hand drive model? We would absolutely do that. My over nearly, I, have, I think I'm well over 25, nearly 30 years in automotive. I'm afraid that might not work from a homologation point of view, but uh, we would definitely love to do that. Yeah. I've got a couple more quick questions about the company as a whole, and then I want to go back and look at some of the additional things that you've talked about already, the reefers and, and the other parts of the business that are not necessarily related to Scions. Let me just start by asking, what's your funding model at the moment? Who's paying for everything while you design this vehicle? You mentioned deposits earlier on. Is, is that covering the costs or have you got venture capital or what? Uh, yes, yes. And there's more. <laughs> so uh, when we started, our, our three founders actually in 2016 were quite excited and thrilled that Purely from crowdfunding, we could build the first two, uh, what we call SVC1s, the first uh, prototype vehicles. They made a lot of test drives uh, with them. And over the, the years, uh, we get down payments that are financing some of our business. But we also got a significant group of uh, small and large investors we had a couple of uh, um, rounds with uh, banks or, or other bigger investment groups. And then, of course, in November last year, uh, we entered NASDAQ uh, as one of the few German companies in the last 10 years or so, a very, very uh, successful, by my view, engagement. And we're quite thrilled to continue that strategy as a NASDAQ-traded company uh, to gain the funds when we need them. So from, from our side, we have now a mixture of investors, reservation holders, uh, just mainly equity and reservation holders. But they will be at some point also 
debt financing and other items involved. Now, you mentioned the, uh, I forget the exact number you said, apologies, but you've got quite a few deposits out there and you, you have a plan for what the production run's going to be. How are you geared up for production? How, how, you know, how close are you to production? And are you going to be doing this yourself or are you going to outsource? Yes. So uh, are we geared up for production? Yes and no. Uh, yes, because we have done our design freeze. So the vehicle is as good as uh, developed. We also have announced our production partner. Uh, this is Valmet Automotive in Finland, in Usikaupunki. Uh, a company mm-hmm. is very renowned for doing technologically advanced vehicles. They've done the Porsche Boxster. They're doing two vehicles now for Mercedes. And they are a very capable partner that we like to work with. Uh, and here our plan is to have the launch of our product in the second half of 2023. So uh, we're still industrializing it. That means we're preparing uh, the body shop and the general assembly. So that one still has to happen. But what we're doing right now is to build up our uh, series validation vehicles. 37 uh, vehicles and body invites that we're producing to do homologation, uh, long-term quality testing, uh, we're validating our crash uh, um, uh, structure and, and, and. So that is nicely in the works and you should expect this year uh, some updates with regards to uh, these vehicles. Excellent. If if I look back, particularly over the last five or six years, the startup market, particularly the motor industry, is littered with uh, well-meaning companies that have not been able to take an initial model and and put it into production. Uh, There's been quite a few that have just gone bust for various reasons. Talk to me a little bit about the challenges of being effectively a motor startup in the industry with what is for all intents and purposes an unproven package. I mean, solar is proven, batteries are proven, but the way you've put them together, you've said yourself, there aren't any other companies that are doing it that way. So what are the big challenges that you've had to overcome? Yeah, and, and let me make your question even more dramatic. Uh, a startup, even in Germany, yeah, where you have so many uh, renowned companies and OEMs. Um, the first is, if you look at a general approach, um, there's one company that uh, I think we all agree has been successful. Uh, by, mm-hmm. by, by that time, this company is already well over 10 years old. I'm not so familiar with Tesla and when it really started. Um, but... Um, on our side, we are not approaching uh, this electric vehicle market by building a premium car. Uh, design, range, price make this very desirable uh, for a small group of people um, that might be interested in, in, in getting that vehicle. That seems to be a general strategy for newcomers. Uh, not 100%, but a general strategy. Our approach was always to build a vehicle differently than others. Uh, we're the only ones, to my knowledge, that are only doing one variant. Uh, we don't need a paint shop. We don't need large uh, pressed steel parts. We're actually uh, doing factory recycling, if you want. We're using contract manufacturing. And then the core part is our patented solar technology. So we're not only launching a car, but we're actually designing and have designed a solar technology that would be great for other manufacturers to have as well. So there's some real value in that technology. And if you look at this as a package and then compare the current situation of companies that are traded uh, publicly uh, and see 18,000 reservations with an average down payment of, let's say, roughly 10% of the vehicle value, the future vehicle value, you see that there's a significant demand after it. So we are comfortable uh, and, and confident 
that we will not be another of these startup companies that uh, is is not going to be successful. Um, uh, we, we think knowing that the main reason for failure for any startup is that customers don't want the product uh, is by uh, 18,000 reservation holders well-documented that there must be something with that product that gets people excited. Um, and last one, don't forget, we already have some B2B revenue. So our solar business is already operating. We actually also have our app, if you so want, in an extended beta testing environment where any customer can download the app. And if you're within Germany, you can actually um, uh, insure your vehicle, not the Scion, that's not out there, uh, but then uh, give it out to somebody else and manage that um, Airbnb function of the vehicle and give it to a selected group of people with your price and your decision on the insurance as you want. So we, we're a little bit in the a real operational market today um, and we have some diversity that is already achieving revenue. But of course, the main factor for us uh, is to bring out the vehicle, which will be the, the main part that our 18,000 reservation holders are waiting for. So what specific challenges have you had with the solar aspect of that? Because obviously you've got you've got the the manufacturing and the design and homologation and manufacturing of a vehicle, and then there is the whole area of um, manufacturing, sourcing panels, etc. I mean, I know I I had a delay putting my solar panels on the roof because they just didn't have enough of them in the country. Uh, have you had any challenges about that? About uh, you know panel efficiency? getting them with the right weight to to make it viable on a, a vehicle? What, what sort of challenges have you had from that point of view? Yeah, I mean, naturally, when you look into our vehicle, we're talking about an aluminum space frame. Um, uh, we're talking uh, about building an electric vehicle. Building a car by itself is a challenge. Um, but now we're having our new technologies that you mentioned, bidirectional charging, having a app that lets you share the vehicle, the ride or power, uh, and then integrating off the solar panels, you can expect that there are challenges uh, on the road. And uh, definitely we had ours in the past. For example, uh, during Corona, uh, one, one and a half years ago, we had some troubles finding the right polymers for doing our samples. We have thousands of samples that we uh, did so far on making sure we have the right mixture of polymer um, uh, in the final product. So there are always some issues that you might have. Uh, so far, we're not affected by the chip shortage or by um, wiring harness shortages, which is typical for the industry, but that might there might be something new when we go into the production. Uh, but there's nothing that we have experienced so far that is endangering our project by itself. So we we feel comfortable that, that we can get the sea on, on the road. Let's uh, sort of move over a little bit now onto the B2B side of thing. You've mentioned it a, a couple of times already in this uh, discussion. Talk to me about how you've leveraged some of the expertise that you have in fitting solar panels to vehicles elsewhere. I'm a, um, I mean, you've mentioned adding that tech to uh, trucks and buses, and I believe it's only recent. Was it just today you've announced another agreement with um yes if i remember which uh chero is it chero yes uh french trailer manufacturer uh, yeah. exactly T talk to me about some of those agreements that you've got and how you're how you're working together with some of these uh, companies on a b2b basis please uh, absolutely um for the listeners it might be interesting to say how how do we come to this well think about it five years ago 
uh, we're saying we're building this vehicle. And then imagine our founders and and the very early teams, I'm now there since four years, looking around, looking for um, suppliers that can actually integrate solar panels into a complete vehicle. And the answer they got five years ago was, we can do it under glass on your roof. That, you can imagine, is a nice gimmick. But uh, most of the time, the sun doesn't shine from the top, but from the side. And Mm -hmm. in the winter, you also want a significant range. So we had to look for a technological solution that enables this. And that was uh, getting solar panels uh, integrated into polymer. It's lighter, it's cheaper, um, uh, it's faster to produce. And it's, of course, also safer when you think about uh, crashes and so forth. So this technology was already there. Now, add to this capability uh, what we discussed with your roof that you talked about. Which maximum PowerPoint tracker do you use um, to get uh, the technology integrated? So knowing how to not wake up a car's uh, or a truck's um, total set of electric components, not to reduce the lifetime of them, because they're, of course, not built to be on uh, 14, 15 hours a day for their lifetime, but only a couple mm-hmm. hours. Um, and combine it with the software knowledge uh, of integrating that. That gives you a capability that you can actually utilize not only for your own car, but for other cars, for other trucks, for other trailers. Um, and uh, we became public with this uh, at the beginning of 2021 when we uh, introduced our Gen 2 vehicle, uh, the Scion, for the CES a consumer electronics show in the US. Um, and there we said we're, we're, we're ready uh, to also help others. And since then, we have made a significant number of contracts. Actually, we have 17 partners today that we're helping with integrating solar. I mentioned, I think, one um, uh, bus here in Munich that drives around with it. And there, there are plenty more examples on the boat side, trailer side, and so forth. But uh, the best example, I think, for your listeners is sort of a business case um, uh, uh, that, that you can imagine. The, the first uh, prototype we're building with Chiro we talked about are 58 square meters of panels. That's 9.8 kilowatt hour of peak. Um, and it saves 3,400 liters of diesel per year. That is a nine ton local CO2 emission savings. So we're not only talking about a great effect on the environment, but there's a payback period, if I'm not mistaken, that's in general uh, less than three years. Uh, with that, an investment for a fleet owner is actually not only good for the environment, but at least as good for the wallet. And with somebody like Shero, uh, are you building the trailers and incorporating the solar panels or are they providing the trailers and you're putting the, the panels onto existing piece of hardware? Yeah, I can, I can get back to you on the specific example uh, here. But our general business model has three categories. One is we help with engineering. Secondly, we can help as a general contractor and actually build up for you. And the third one is licensing. Um, I suspect uh, that that with Chiro, it's the second business model I just mentioned. But um, uh, in the future, uh, once we have the Scion out, we also do expect that a lot of car manufacturers will uh, appreciate our license instead of putting their solar panels under glass. Because that's one thing that I've not, I think, pointed out. We believe that any electric vehicle in the future should be a solar electric vehicle. It makes so much perfect sense. Uh, with solar under polymer, it's not more expensive or not much more expensive than having a general coat or outer skin on your vehicle. Just think about uh, 
cost reductions in solar panels in the last five to 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. And you combine that with the benefits of having an electric car. Um, it's just natural that you do that for every vehicle. And so we, we, we actually are not afraid at all. We'd love to make as many as possible cars, trucks, trailers, uh, solar. That, that is really our long-term business model. And thinking about licensing, then, of course, we would not produce. There we would just license. Now, that's interesting because given what you just said, if you project yourself a number of years down the line, are you looking to be somebody who innovates in the area of solar panels, making them more efficient or lighter, etc.? Or are you looking to scale what you've already got? Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, is are you looking to become somebody who produces more of what you've got? Or are you looking to be somebody who does a lot of innovation um, across a whole load of different uh, B2B areas or even B2C areas. Yeah, so it's a little bit if you ask, um, I'm a father, if you like your son or your daughter more, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or which of the two will have a bigger impact in the future, um, uh, you get into trouble. Uh, by definition of that. But uh, that's exactly also my answer because the, the way we started the business with the Scion, we actually foresee us to go in that, in that uh, niche, if you so want, uh, with our, with our uh, program of having solar in a simple, affordable vehicle that everybody can have, maybe in many more body shapes and in many more regions across the world. We think that is a very, very good business model. At the same time, I mentioned we'll continue to do pocket knives. We'll not make Gucci handbags. So there's there's uh, significantly uh, uh, more space for established and future um, other car manufacturers. So we, we think that's a very viable business, and we will continue that. On the other side, um, our mission is really a world without uh, – sorry, uh, our vision is a world without fossil fuels. The mission is solar on every vehicle. And – uh, in the end, of course, your your finance uh, department could say, oh, this is much more profitable because you're giving everybody a license to get solar in every vehicle. So we, we do see these two separate business units working actually quite well successfully in the future. You've worked with several motor manufacturers over the years, and some of them have started to look at electric vehicles. Others in the market are hesitant or maybe pursuing alternate technologies. I mean, Toyota, for example, still seem to be uh, pushing ahead with fuel cell vehicles. Do you think there will be a major manufacturer that fails totally as a result of not embracing battery electrification? I actually have to admit that my assessment of all large players today is that even the most reluctant ones today have accepted that a future without a complete portfolio of battery electric vehicles is failure. I think we turned that corner maybe a year or two ago, uh, five, six years ago. It was not that clear. Um, so today I would say, I think we're around that corner. What I feel today is actually that the reaction of the industry to solar electric vehicles is exactly like the reaction of the industry 10, 15 years ago to electric vehicle manufacturing. Um, if you are an executive of a big car company today, it's questionable if you're even driving 100% electric. And very likely, you have your own house, your own parking structure. Maybe you even have a chauffeur. You might not understand the pressure on a person who's driving a combustion engine car today to switch over to an electric car because he or she is not sure if they can drive the kids to work or to school 
um, uh, in the next days if they don't find a charging location. Mm -hmm. So I, I do believe that that process where uh, OEMs say, I will now integrate in my electric vehicle solar, that might take another five years or so. Um, but I'm convinced today that there's no serious car manufacturer that is not, if not publicly, then at least secretly planning with battery electric vehicles only. We can discuss, of course, um, for trucks or special applications, maybe uh, fuel cells and other items. I'm not ruling out that that uh, there's, uh, let's say, I'm not ruling out that there's steam locomotives in the future as well. But generally, the trend goes to the electric train. Yeah. Okay, my final question then, and I don't know whether I pre-warned you about this, but if you need a few seconds to think about it, I'm happy to give them to I'll you. I'll take if the you, challenge. <laughs> if you were king for a day, what would you do to increase the uptake of electric cars globally and solar-powered ones specifically? Hmm. I, I tell you what, and it's it's something I'm actually asking myself why not more countries are doing this to a more dramatic effort. I would continue to increase taxes on gasoline and diesel significantly. Mm. Um, and for the population that needs to get from A to B, I would, of course, um, uh, try to give them some benefit of it. But we know the majority uh, of that money will be surplus that you can, again, invest into a lot of reasonable things for the environment. So oil, where we will continue to need it, uh, plastics, uh, um, uh, fertilizer, uh, uh, pharma products, so uh, textiles. We need oil for other stuff and we don't have to create CO2 by burning it every day. Excellent answer. Uh, Thomas, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us today. Perfect. It was a pleasure. Thank you for the good questions, Gary. My thanks to Thomas for his time. A great discussion, I think you'll agree. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. The new Skoda Enyaq is the most upcycled EV out there. The Enyaq 4 uses 13.1 kilograms of recycled plastics on its exterior. The recycled plastic is reclaimed and reused from battery housings and bumpers. The proportion of recycled steel used for the Enyaq's body is 40%, while for aluminium it's as high as 60%, further reducing the car's environmental footprint. 20% of the Enyaq's side window panes are also recycled. Sustainable materials are also used in the electric SUV's interior. Sound insulation is made from recycled textiles and both the floor and boot mats are made and remoulded using fabrics from recycled PET bottles. The battery pack is, of course, designed to be reused with a potential 96% of recyclable components. And this is what they mean by a circular economy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Love it. The EV Musings podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. ZapMap is the go-to app for EV drivers in the UK. Use it to search for available chargers, plan electric journeys, pay for charging on participating networks and share updates with other EV drivers. ZapMap is free to download and use with subscription plans for enhanced features such as using ZapMap in car, on CarPlay or Android Auto. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at MusingsEV. If you're thinking of putting solar, batteries or a heat pump in your house and want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Renewable. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent. And it's a great little introduction to greening up your house and reducing grid use. 
please check it out and also check out my other book so you've gone electric same place same price if you've reached this part of the podcast and are still listening thank you why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at musings ev with the words the sun always shines on evs hashtag if you know you know nothing else Thanks as always to my co-founder Simon. You know, his entrepreneurial side often takes over when he sees something that might make a good idea. He was toying with the idea of starting a business. He wants to produce fake pleather Austrian lederhosen. So I asked him if an Austrian lederhosen startup would be difficult to do in somewhere like Vienna. He said, Yeah, and and let me make your question even more dramatic. Uh, A startup even in Germany. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.